Michaels. I'm your host today on Guns and Hoses. It's a journey of faith designed for those who work in public safety or medical professions. Gives you an opportunity to have some biblical understanding when you can't make it to church on Sunday, perhaps. We're going to look today in Season 2, Episode 8, at the seven I Am statements of Jesus. You know, you might believe that Jesus saves you of your sins, and that's a good thing. But who is he really? What does the Bible say about who he really is? And more, what did Jesus himself say about who he is? Once we understand that more clearly, we can understand how we can serve him better and what he means in our life. So the first statement is, I am the true vine. John 15, 1 through 8. He says, I am the real vine, and my father is the farmer. He cuts off every branch of me that doesn't bear grapes. And every branch that is grape-bearing, he prunes back, so it will bear even more. You're already pruned back by the message I have spoken. Live in me. Make your home in me, just as I do in you. In the same way that a branch can't bear grapes by itself, but only by being joined to the vine, you can't bear fruit unless you are joined with me. I'm the vine. You are the branches. When you're joined with me and I with you, the relationship, intimate and organic, the harvest is sure to be abundant. Separated, you can't produce a thing. Anyone who separates from me is dead wood, gathered up and thrown into the bonfire. But if you make yourselves at home with me, and my words are at home in you, you can be sure that whatever you ask will be listened to and acted upon. This is how my Father shows who he is. When you produce grapes, when you mature as my disciples. Now, what this talks about is You know how you can see branches laying on the ground. We had a snowstorm, and we've got quite a few branches laying on the the ground. And the point is, they're not connected to the tree. They're not attached to anything. And what Jesus is saying is when we become Christians, we become attached to him who is the vine, the living vine. And It's only through being attached to Jesus that we can bear fruit. Now, what kind of fruit do we bear? Being good witnesses, living out a faith that inspires others, accomplishing things that God calls us to do. We can't accomplish any good thing for Jesus if we're not connected to him. And how do we stay connected? Through prayer, through the word, through fellowship with other Christians. Those are ways that we stay connected to the vine. And by staying connected to the vine, we are connected to God. And he will hear our pleas. He will hear our prayers. And he will act on them. Jesus goes on to say, I am the bread of life. He says that in John 6, 35 through 48. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. The person who aligns with me hungers no more, thirsts no more, ever. I have told you this explicitly because even though you have seen me in action, 
you don't really believe me. Every person the Father gives me eventually comes running to me. And once that person is with me, I hold on and don't let go. I came down from heaven not to follow my own agenda, but to accomplish the will of the one who sent me. Now, hold on to that thought for just a minute. He says, Every person the Father gives me eventually comes running to me. That means God calls us to Jesus. God, through His Spirit, moves in our heart to turn to Jesus. And He says when God gives us to Him, we run to Him. Even more important, and once that person is with me, I hold on and I don't let go. That's talking about spiritual security. Once we become Christians, when we are in Christ, later Jesus says, no one can snatch them from my hand. We are eternally secure in Christ when we come to him. <clears throat> this is why he says, in a nutshell, is, is that will that everything handed over to me by my Father shall be completed, not a single detail missed. And at the wrap-up of time, I have everything and everyone put together upright and whole. That is what my Father wants, that anyone who sees the Son and trusts who He is and what He is and what He has done aligns with Him and will enter real life, eternal life. My part is to put them on their feet, alive and whole at the completion of time. That's what Jesus will do for us, is when the end of time comes, when, when we go to be with the Lord, we will be standing on our, on our feet because Jesus holds us up. At this, he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. The Jews started arguing over him. Isn't this the son of Joseph? Don't we know his dad? Don't we know his mother? How can he say I came down out of heaven and expect anyone to believe him? You see, the Jews didn't know who he was. God had not revealed that to them. But if they had been reading their scriptures, the prophets told them that he would be there. Jesus said, don't bicker among yourselves over me. You're not in charge here. The Father that sent me is in charge. He draws people to me. That's the only way you'll ever come. Only then do I do my work, putting people together, setting them on their feet, ready for the end. This is what the prophets meant when they wrote, and then they will pers be personally taught by God. Anyone who has spent any time at all listening to the Father, really listening and therefore learning, comes to be taught personally, to see, see it with their own eyes, hear it with their own ears. For me, since I have firsthand from the Father, no one has seen the Father except the one who has his being alongside the Father. And you can see me. I'm telling you the most solemn and sober truth now. Whoever believes in me has real life, eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna bread in the desert and died. 
But now, here is the bread that truly comes out of heaven. Anyone eating this bread will not die, ever. I am the bread, the living bread, who came down out of heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will live, and forever. The bread that I present to the world, so that it can eat and live, is myself, this flesh and blood self. Now, <clears throat> understand, Jesus is speaking metaphorically. Obviously, he doesn't expect us to eat his real body and drink his real blood. When we take communion, and our church does it every Sunday, every denomination has their own uh, traditions, we are, when we eat the bread, it represents symbolically the body of Christ, according to what Jesus said. And the wine represents the blood of Christ, given for our salvation. That's why we do communion, is to remember that. But what Jesus is saying, bread is sustenance. Bread is nourishment to keep us alive. My friends, what Jesus is saying is he is the only way to stay alive, to stay in Christ, to stay with God and to find eternal life. He is the bread of life. He is the, the one source of of spiritual nutrition, if you will, that will take us to be with God. He goes on further in John 14, 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus said, I'm the road, that is the way. Also the truth, also the life. No one gets to the Father apart from me. If you really knew me, you would know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him. You've even seen him. Now, why would he say that? Because when he said that, they could see Jesus. And Jesus and the Father, as Jesus has said, are one. Now, he is the way. He's the way of salvation. No one gets to the Father but through him. He is the truth. He is the word of God. And everything he speaks comes from God and is truth, absolute eternal truth. And the life, just where we read about the bread, Jesus Christ is the only means of salvation, the only life eternal. And through him, we inherit eternal life, as his brother, as it says in Romans. He goes on to say, I am the light of the world. John 8 verse 12 and John 9, verse 5. Jesus once again addressed them. I am the world's light. No one, follow, no one who follows me stumbles around in the darkness. I provide plenty of light to live in. Now, think about that. We don't walk around not knowing what's right and wrong. Jesus gave us that light in his word and in his words. He told us how to live. He told us what we should do and what we should not do. So, in that sense, we don't stumble around in the darkness trying to figure out what we should do. As he said, I provide plenty of light to live in. Walking down the street in, in chapter 9, Jesus saw a man blind from birth. His disciples said, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, causing him to be born blind? They would attribute 
something like blindness to someone having sinned. Jesus said, you're asking the wrong question. You're looking for someone to blame. There is no such cause and effect here. Look instead for what God can do. You see, we always have to blame somebody. We see that in politics. We see that everywhere. Who was wrong? Who did bad? That happened with Job when all of his children died and his friends came over and said, what great sin must they have done? You see, what Jesus says here, you're asking the wrong question. You want to blame somebody. There's no such cause and effect. Look instead for what God can do. We need to be energetically at work for the one who sent me here, working with the sun, working while the sun shines. When night falls, the workday is over. For as long as I am in the world, there is plenty of light, and I am the world's light. He is the truth. He is the life. He is the way. Then he goes on to say, I am the good shepherd. In John 10, 11 through 14, he says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd puts the sheep before himself. He sacrifices himself if necessary. A hired man is not a real shepherd. The sheep mean nothing to him. He sees a wolf coming and runs for it, leaving the sheep to be ravaged and scattered by the wolf. He's only in it for the money. The sheep don't matter to him. You see, a good shepherd is a leader. A leader looks out for those over whom he's in charge. This is true in the biblical sense. It should be true in the political sense. Those who we elect as leaders over us should be servant leaders. They should be serving us, not us serving them. That's the way it's supposed to be. He goes on to say, I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep and my own sheep know me. In the same way, the Father knows me and I know the Father. I put the sheep before myself, sacrificing myself if necessary. You need to know that I have other sheep in addition to those in this pen. I need to gather and bring them too. They'll also recognize my voice. They will be one flock, one shepherd. This is why the Father loves me, because I freely lay down my life. And so I am free to take it up again. No one takes it from me. I lay it down of my own free will. I have the right to lay it down. I also have the right to take it up again. I receive this authority personally from my father. He talks about how the sheep recognize his voice. And that's really an amazing thing with sheep. They recognize the unique voice of their shepherd. Another shepherd can call them and they won't come. When they hear their own shepherd, they come. I remember watching an interview some years ago of a speed skater. And they asked him, how do you know when to make your move? He said, I listen to my coach's voice. And they said, with all the noise in here, how can you possibly hear and recognize your coach's voice. He said, because over time, I've learned to tune out the noise and hear my coach's voice. You see, what Jesus is saying, we need to be able to recognize 
if it's him calling us to do something or if it's not. The enemy, the devil, is the great deceiver. He'll try and trick us by getting us to do something that God did not say. You see that today in those who are woke Christians, who are drifting from biblical mandates to embrace teachings of the world, not to offend some. My friends, that's evil. We're told that everything that is in Scripture is God's Word, and we are not to remove one jot or tittle. I'm an originalist. I believe in the Scriptures as they were written. I believe they are the inspired, true, authoritative Word of God. And as for me and my family, that's what we're going to believe. The church where I attend, Stevens Valley Church in, in Nashville, that's what our church believes. If you don't go to a church where they don't believe that the Bible is the holy and inspired, infallible Word of God, then you're in danger of being taught men's opinions, not God's Word. And that's what's going on in the woke culture of today. They want to be cool. They want to be accepted. They don't want to offend. Well, Paul said in Romans, the gospel is a stumbling block. And that's exactly what we need to embrace. Is we need to present the true gospel in its entirety. That it's not try and do good, it's obey the will of God. When we fail, there is forgiveness. Jesus said, I am the gate. Jesus told this simple story, but they had no idea what he was talking about, so he tried again. I'll be explicit. I am the gate for the sheep. All those others are up to no good. Sheep rustlers, every one of them. But the sheep didn't listen to them. I am the gate. Anyone who goes through me will be cared for will freely go in and out and find pasture. A thief is only there to steal and kill and destroy. I came so they can have real and eternal life, more and better life than they ever dreamed of. You see, Jesus is addressing what we face in our world today. Too many churches, too many pastors preach half-truths. They don't want to offend. They want to build a church that is large. But you know, the truth is a harsh thing. But it's better to follow the truth than to follow a lie. Because in the end, the truth will bring redemption. The lie will destroy you. We all know that. But it's more comfortable not being challenged by the truth. Jesus went on to say, I am the resurrection and the life. John eleven twenty five. Now, Jesus had been called by Martha and Mary and their brother Lazarus had died. And they were upset. So, <clears throat> Martha says to Jesus, Master, if you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. You see, she believed Jesus would have healed him and saved his life. She said, if you'd have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. 
Even now, I know that whatever you ask God, he will give you. Jesus said, your brother will be raised up. Martha said, I know that he will be raised up in the resurrection at the end of time. You don't have to wait for the end. I am right now. The resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me, even though he or she dies, will live. And everyone who lives believing in me does not ultimately die at all. Do you believe this? She said, yes, master. All along, I have believed that you are the Messiah, the Son of God who comes into the world. What Jesus was saying is, if we truly believe in him as our Savior, if we have surrendered our life to him, when the end of our life comes, when we lay on that deathbed and breathe our last breath, the moment the breath leaves our body, we are ushered into heaven to live eternally with God the Father and with Jesus. Those who are in Christ don't die. They move on. We are taken into heaven. Later, when Jesus comes again, our bodies will be resurrected. And he says, those who don't die will be caught up, and this is later, they'll be caught up in the, in the rapture. Those who are living when Jesus comes back will be taken up into heaven. And people will go, where'd they go? They went to heaven to be with God. Now, ultimately, Jesus did raise Lazarus. It's kind of funny because he, he raised him. He walked out of the tomb, Lazarus, come forth. One of the lines in the passage, somebody said, he stinketh. <laughs> well, he'd been laying in there dead. Of course he stank. Anyhow, if we are in Christ, we don't die. You don't ever have to fear death. You will shed this body and go to heaven. Matthew 16, 13 through 18. Jesus challenges the apostles. When Jesus arrived in the villages of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, what are people saying about who the Son of Man is? He took a poll of his apostles to see what they're saying. They replied, some think he is John the baptizer. Some say Elijah. Some, Jeremiah, or one of the other prophets. And Jesus pressed them, How about you? Who do you say that I am? Simon Peter said, You are the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus came back, God bless you, Simon, son of Jonah. You didn't get that answer out of books or from teachers. My Father in heaven, God himself, let you in on this secret of who I really am. And now I'm going to tell you who you are, really are. Simon became known as Peter. You are Peter, a rock. This is the rock on which I will put my church together. A church so expansive, with energy, not even the gates of hell will be able to keep it out. You know, Jesus said, who do you say I am? I'm going to ask you that question, too. Who do you say Jesus is? Do you believe he's a good man? 
a prophet? Or do you believe that he is the Son of God that was sent to earth to forgive sins, rose from the grave to defeat death, and now sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty? Do you believe that? Have you called out to him and asked him to save you from your sins? Do you feel that moving in your heart of the Holy Spirit calling you and saying, Come to me. Jesus is calling you through the power of the Holy Spirit. If you feel that, it's time to respond. C.S. Lewis, a famous writer, said this, I am trying here to prevent anyone from saying the really foolish thing that people, people often say about him, that is Christ. I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. You see, a lot of liberal denominations would say that. There is one thing that we must not say. A man who was, a, was merely a man and said that sort of thing that Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. So when they say, I think he's a great moral teacher, I just don't believe he is who he says he is. And C.S. Lewis said, we must not say that, because a man who is merely a man and said something like that, Jesus that Jesus said, would not be a great teacher. He would either be a lunatic on a level with the man that says he's a poached egg, or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the Son of God, or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool. You can spit on him and kill him as a demon. You can fall at his feet and call him Lord God. But let us not come up with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. What Lewis is saying is, you either buy into the whole thing and you believe that Jesus Christ is truly who he says he is. Who did Jesus say he is? The true vine, the bread of life, the light of the world, the good shepherd, the gate, the only way, the resurrection and the life. You know, friends, if you can't quite buy into Jesus being the only means of salvation, being the way, the truth, and the life, when he says, no one comes to the Father but through me, if that makes you cringe, you need to pray and ask God to convict you and reveal truth to you. Because... Other religions will say he's a good man, but that's a lie. He was a good man, but if they don't buy into the rest of it, that he is the Christ, the only Son of God, the only means of salvation, then they are false religions. They are lies. You know, um, I was in a Sunday school class one time, and a guy was teaching, and he said, you know, uh, Jesus really wasn't the Son of God. They made that up. They wanted him to be equal with Caesar, who was called the Son of God. And he really wasn't born of a virgin. They just needed to enhance his story. And, you know, he, 
He's not really the only means of salvation. And I raised my hand. I said, excuse me, you do understand you're a heretic, right? And he said, well, Rob will be teaching next week and uh, you'll hear the other side of the story. I said, no, they'll hear truth. You see, anybody that teaches what that man taught is a heretic. He is not of God. And I question whether a man who has truly been saved can teach such heresy, because that's exactly what it is. Either Jesus was who he said he is, or he's a lunatic and a liar. What do you believe? I know what I believe. You know, each week we end this talking about the cross. You can't be so good you don't need Christ. You can't be so bad you can't receive Christ. That's the truth. I won't tell you anything that's not the truth. If you have any questions, you can email me, rob at serveprotect.org. You can subscribe to this podcast on your platform that you listen. Where you listen, you can share it with your friends. But this is all for you. This is so that you might understand In the near future, we're going to have other guests on, so you don't have to just listen to me. Uh, We're going to have Sean Riley on, um, Chris Amos, my old partner Drew Grant. We've had Drew on through a video before. But my friends, as you go forward today, ask yourself, who do I believe Jesus is? And ask God to give you wisdom so you know truth. God bless you.